Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. We are going to continue through the book of Hebrews. We're actually going to wrap up the book of Hebrews. And so I'm going to read the text that we're going to be in. Hebrews chapter 13, if you have a Bible, you can flip there. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the Welcome Center that we'd love for you to have, and either way, it will be up on the screens. So we're going to read a number of different verses, so if you didn't get a quiet time in this morning, we have got you covered, because we're about to have one right now. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside of the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge that you pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, may he equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send their greetings. Grace be with you all. Let me pray one more time. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you just for your... God, how good you are, your grace, the way you're at work in our lives. I pray this morning would just be more and more of that, that we would understand more of who you are, where life is found, more of your word. You'd encourage our hearts where we need to be encouraged and spurred on where we need to be spurred on, and you just help us, God. I pray that the Dallas Stars would beat the Golden Knights. And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. 
I don't know if God loves hockey, but he loves people. So, hey, where in the room are my friends who have an iPhone? You have an iPhone? Okay. Where are the Android people in the room? You guys are ruining all of our group text messages. We can't name our group text messages because of the green bubble that pops up. And I'm an iPhone person, and every year, I don't know if you know, um, you're this type of person, but every year, Apple provides an opportunity for you to get a new phone. It's called a what? An upgrade. Yes, it's called an upgrade. I don't know if Android works that way. They don't. An upgrade for an Android is an iPhone. That's what you call an upgrade for an Android. <laughs> um, I'm totally kidding. I'm clearly bitter about the group text thing. But in the upgrade, you know, there's different people in the room. You may be the type of person where every year you get the upgrade, you know, because Apple wins again and gets more of, you know, our, your money. And you decide, hey, this is worth getting it, or I need it, or, you know, need it. Or maybe the person that you're like Rob Berry, and you've had the same iPhone, you know, since 2011. The original iPhone is in your pocket right now. There's probably a spectrum of us inside of the room. But this past year, I don't want to brag, but I had an older phone, decided to upgrade, got the Apple or iPhone 14. I'm still the same person. People think of me the same way, but I upgraded. And there's all kinds of features that come with this new phone. If you've ever upgraded, you immediately are introduced to just different things that are a part of it, different camera, different you know, software that's a part of it, and different things that make it up. And what does that have to do with Hebrews chapter 13? Well, the book of Hebrews, the author has been pointing out that, hey, in Christ, when you trusted in Jesus and became a follower of Jesus, you were given an upgrade, so to speak, from the old way of living according to the law, from the old way of relating to God. And in Hebrews chapter 13, he's going to hammer home some of the different features that have come with the upgrade that you and I have now in Christ, not with a phone, but with our faith and how you and I are to live out and to tap into and experience the fullness of what those things are. And he's gonna call them not to revert back to the old way that they used to think or the old mentality and how to experience the fullness of the upgrade they have been given in Christ. So we're gonna walk back through and look at four different features of this upgrade. Then we're gonna take communion and we will have wrapped up the book of Hebrews. Next week, we're kicking off a brand new series called In Living Color. We're gonna look at Jesus and interactions that he had on the planet. We're so excited about that series and so excited as we dive in to Hebrews chapter 13. But though we're starting in verse seven, I said two weeks ago, Hebrews chapter 13 is really the most unique chapter in the book of Hebrews. If you haven't been joining us, we've walked through in the previous 12 chapters, there's all kinds of imagery and there's doctrine and there's teaching and there's metaphor and there's Old Testament incorporation. And in Hebrews chapter 13, it's almost like he was running out of ink in his pen or something. He just starts rapid fire, one thing to the next, to the next. And so last week we looked at the first six verses where he covers marriage, he covers money, he covers loving people. And today is no different. He's going to walk through leadership and the new system, but I want to focus in on four upgrades that we have been given in Christ through trusting in him. So we're going to start in verse seven. I'm going to read a few verses. We'll dive into the first of those upgrades. But verse seven, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I'm going to come back to leaders because he brings it up again in chapter 17. I mean, sorry, in verse 17. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, 
not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. So what he's doing is he's basically contrasting the old way of relating to God, and he's going to bring up priesthood and teachings related to food and different beliefs that were false beliefs that people in that day had that, hey, you couldn't eat certain things, you should eat certain things, and that would make you more holy or not make you holy. And he's saying, we don't operate like that anymore. And then he almost just throws shade at the Jewish system where he says, hey, just like they have an altar inside of the temple that they go to and a priest sacrifice, we have an altar that those who go and make sacrifices have no right to come to. The altar he's speaking of, of course, is Jesus being sacrificed in our place. He references again in verse 11, the Jewish system, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. Remember, this was a predominantly Jewish audience. So of course, he's using an analogy. Hey, just like the priest brings in, makes a sacrifice, burns the body outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood, through his sacrifice. Let us then go to him outside of the camp, leave behind the Jewish system, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. The first upgrade that the author is highlighting for them is we in Christ have been given a better system. You have been given a better system of relating to God. The first point from the text, a better system. That's what he's hammering. He's saying, hey, don't revert back to the Jewish mentality of, hey, your relationship with God is dependent on your behavior. That you can know you have a relationship with God or in good standings based on what you do. Don't revert back to that way of thinking. What's interesting about the upgrade language or you know, with the phone, so to speak, is if you have upgraded your phone, you know that it also comes with a new operating system. That any new iPhone or any new phone is gonna come with a new operating, upgraded operating system with it. And when you trusted in Jesus, you were given a new operating system, a new way of relating to God, a security that comes through Christ that no matter your behavior, your good week, how many quiet times you had or didn't have this week, your church attendance, your standing with God is fixed. You can walk in security because of that. And he's hammering out to this Jewish audience. You don't relate like the rest of the Jewish society or the world around you relates that based on your behavior determines how God feels about you. Your security is fixed in Christ. So don't revert back to that old operating system. That old mentality is what he's hammering here today. I mean, you think about this message and how important it is as ever, or it's as important and relevant as ever as it was back then, not just because there's a predominantly Jewish world around us, that's not the case, but there is a world around us that has a similar mentality. The mentality that your relationship with God is based on what you do. That if you're a bad person and you don't, you know, show up at church and you don't, you know, you drink, smoke, chew, date girls who do, then you're bad. And it's everywhere. There's a lot of people who think Christianity teaches. God just wants you to be and try to be a good person. That's a lie. The Bible teaches that you can't be a good person and neither can I. That you can only have a relationship with God by trusting and acknowledging I'm not a good person. So I need a savior, not a second chance. And the author is hammering that home. I mean, the most common belief mentality, you can ask the average person, hey, what is the message of Christianity? And they may say something like, hey, you know, try to be a good person and go to church and just not be mean. 
Because good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. That's not a biblical idea at all. The Bible says forgiven people go to heaven. And the only way anyone has forgiveness is by trusting in Jesus as their savior, as the sacrifice for them in their place. And if they've done that, his death and his resurrection, they are secure and sealed. And they've been given a new operating system. And the new operating system does lead to change in behavior and how we live and the spirit begins to come in and convict us, but not to earn God's love, but to experience God's love. All the instructions and all the direction of the spirit is not to earn his love, it's to experience more and more when we live according to it. And this is so huge. I mean, it, there's so many people that you and I interact with, cross paths with, that live on your street, that work around you, and they have bought this idea that their relationship with God is related to the behavior of their life. That's a lie. The relationship that they can have is not based on what they do, it's based on what Christ has done. And we have an opportunity to go and share the message. There's a God whose primary concern for them, people in your life and in my life and in your family and in my family who don't know God, who don't share the same perspective we have as it relates to marriage, sexuality, that God's primary concern first and foremost for them is not that they change their behavior, it's that they're separated from him. A few years ago, my family was in Atlanta visiting some other family and while we were there, we were told, you gotta go see the Atlanta Aquarium. Apparently the Atlanta Aquarium is like one of the top aquariums in the whole world. So we had young kids and it was like, this will be fun, we'll take the kids, we'll go to the aquarium. I didn't know that the entire city of Atlanta had also decided to go to the aquarium that day. And after waiting in just an enormous line, we finally get inside and it was like shoulder to shoulder. We're there with young kids. I mean, it was just so packed. And I'm seeing this crowd and sea of people all around us. And I've got at the time a four-year-old and a two-year-old is in a stroller and my four-year-old son. And I tell him, hey, you gotta hold onto the stroller. We're gonna walk through this sea of people. You gotta hold on the stroller. You got one job, you gotta hold on the stroller. We're gonna walk, hold. All right, you show me how you hold, hold, great. All right, here we go. Start walking through the ocean of people. And inevitably, at some point he let go. And I look down and he's not there and I think, how irresponsible is his mother, okay? And that's not at all what I thought. I panicked. If you're a parent, you know that feeling of emotion of where did he go? And there's like literally, it's packed. I'm running around for what felt like an hour and probably was like three minutes, but I'm looking everywhere, wondering where could he possibly have gone? In the midst of searching around, I finally look over and in the corner of the room, he's holding the hand of a security guard just like waterworks flooding down. And I run over and grab his hand and thank her, the security woman, and bring him back. But in that moments of separation, you know what didn't go through my head a single time? His behavior. In other words, in my house, we've got certain rules, probably like you do or any parent does. You know, you say please and thank you. You say, yes, sir, no, ma'am. You don't punch your sister. You, you know, finish your food and you take your plate to the sink. You know what never went through my head when I was separated from my son? <laughs> I don't know where he is, but wherever he is, I'll tell you what, he better be saying, please. He better be saying, thank you. Better not be punching anybody. <laughs> Didn't once. Well, what goes through your head? Where's my son? I'm separated from my son. The concern is not about his behavior, wherever he's separated from me in. God's primary concern for all of humanity is that he's separated 
an issue first and foremost in their life that we get to point to and our perspective to share along with God is not, hey, change your behavior. God's concerned about your behavior. God's concerned first and foremost with their separation from him. And he's provided the solution for that separation, which is Jesus. And now we get to go and share that because there's a new system. We've got an upgraded way of relating to God. Tim Keller, who passed away on Friday and was an incredible pastor and just gift to the church, said it this way. He said, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Second upgrade that we see comes from verse 15. It says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. The second upgrade that we see is better sacrifices. Now I mentioned it's predominantly Jewish. So his audience would have been familiar with sacrifice representing an animal being killed in the temple. And he just said, no, we've got superior sacrifices. Now we are living sacrifices and our sacrifices look like being generous to people around us. It looks like serving and caring for people around us. It looks like giving our time and our resources to the city and community around us and serving inside of the children's ministry here and serving with your life and caring for people. And we've been given an upgrade as it relates to sacrifices, not the blood of doves and goats, but of living sacrifices that we get to go out and live out for Christ. I mean, this, this body, I'm so encouraged by so many of you who are week after week pouring out and living this verse out. You are a living sacrifice as you give of your time, as you care every single week. And as you can see, I mean, we are in need of those of you who are not to get in the game and to partner with us and to help make disciples in the children's ministry and make disciples in ministries throughout the week because there is more ministry opportunity than Canada. We have workers or servants, Jesus used the word workers for the harvest, to minister to. And so if you're not serving, man, this is a great chance for you to experience the type of sacrifices God says, man, are pleasing to him. I see my people living not for themselves, but serving and caring people around them. We've been given a superior sacrificial system. Quite honestly, it's how you and I live as servants and sacrificially caring for people that is such an appealing showcase to the world of our savior who sacrificially served and cared for us. In the late nineties, there was a company that went bankrupt. It's a company named Marvel. Any Marvel fans? I know the young adults right here are Marvel fans. Anybody else? No, one back there. Anybody too afraid to admit it? Okay, that's cool. Marvel, when we think Marvel, we think what? Movies. But for the vast majority of Marvel history, that's not what Marvel was. It was, and if you're younger than 30, this may be mind-blowing to you. What was it? It was comic books. But comic books eventually led to the company going bankrupt. For, in other words, Marvel's existence, it was for the vast majority of it, all about comic books. But as TV became more and more prevalent and movies and that entire industry just began to grow, the comic book industry declined and declined and declined to the point where in 1997, Marvel went bankrupt. Today, Marvel's the most successful movie company of all time. 
But in 1997, it was bankrupt. What happened? Well, a group of investors came in and a year later said, we're gonna buy the bankrupt company because we have an idea. We're gonna take these images, these pictures, these stories that people have read about and we're gonna bring them to life and let them see them in person. Let them see life sketched around Hulk and Iron Man and all these different people. And we're gonna take something that historically people have only read about and we're gonna let them actually see it in front of them. And it was wildly successful with, in less than 10 years, it would be worth 10, I'm sorry, $5 billion, bankrupt to billionaires, because they brought to life something people had only read about. When you and I follow Jesus, not be Christian, there's a lot of people who claim to be Christian, but they're not actually followers of Jesus. They're not living and following Jesus with their life and how they live and how they care for their spouse and how they raise their kids and how they prioritize things in their life. When you and I actually live out as followers of Jesus in the same way that it was wildly appealing, it's wild, it's one of the most appealing Jesus said things that people will ever see. It draws them to Jesus as they see your love and care for one another. You're seeing and putting the pages or you're living out things that people, people have heard about Christians and they've heard about you know, men and women who actually don't live for themselves but they actually care that eternity is real and I'm gonna live according to what God said. Most people have heard those exist, they've never seen it in real life. And Jesus would say, it's when you and I do that, it's the most appealing thing that we bring to the world around us. Showcases, we are followers of Christ, not just a check the box Christian. We've been given a better sacrifice, better sacrifices. The third upgrade that we see is in verse 17. Have confidence in your leaders, speaking about the church elders, and submit to their authority. It's a very popular idea today, submitting to authority. Not at all. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. The third idea that we see is better submission. And I'm gonna explain why I say that is a better submission because generally speaking, the submissions, it's the S word. It's man, don't tell me who to submit and where to submit and you don't, it's, a very un-American idea. But it's actually an incredibly biblical one and an incredibly beneficial one when applied. So what is he saying? He's saying, hey, remember your elders and submit and come underneath their authority. Elders are the role in the New Testament God has given to serve and to lead inside of a church. We have them here and every local church should. And biblical leadership, leadership and servanthood are synonymous in the Bible. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 10, sorry, that leadership biblically speaking, is being chief servant. Whoever wants to be the greatest, whoever wants to be the leader of all must be the servant of all. So biblical leadership is serving, that the elders are there to serve and to care for the body around them. And it says, you're to be connected underneath the authority of elders who will one day give an account before God for how they lead. Maybe you're here and you don't have a home church, you're just visiting for the weekend, or maybe you're listening online and you're not connected to a church body. One, God would say, you are called and commanded to be connected to a church body. But as you're making that decision, you wanna make sure that you don't connect to any church if they are led by men who are not incredibly aware that one day when they stop breathing, they will stand before God and give an account for how they led the body of Christ. 
good news is if you're a part of this home church, man, I can say with tremendous integrity, you are led by men who are incredibly aware that one day they will give an account for how they lead. Men that I've seen over and over who have full-time jobs and spend hours and hours and personal money and resources and time and energy to give, to care for this body. Who I've seen with tears in their eyes, praying over needs and marriage challenges and cancer and sickness and things that are happening inside of this body. I mean, you are at a place where one of the greatest gifts that God has given this church, quite honestly, is the men who love Jesus. They're imperfect, just like everyone, but they care tremendously for this body. But the command that you and I are to be connected is abundantly clear throughout scripture, including here. You're to be connected to a local church. If you're not a part of a local church, you are living quite, it's nice, kindly as I can say, you are living in disobedience to God. And what you're forfeiting is the protection and care that comes through connection. One of the reasons that we hit on community so much and being a part and contributed is the care and protection that comes through connection to the body of Christ. And I've, man, Evan worked with so many young adults for so many years where they go through seasons or they just, man, I'm not really plugged into a church or I've got church hurt, and, but I'll listen to a bunch of podcasts. I want you to think about something. If that's you, who's gonna give an account for you before God? You're gonna stand before God and go, yeah, I never really got plugged in, but uh, I listened to a lot of John Piper. He's gonna be like, Piper, you know this guy? Nope. But God has given the body of Christ a clear command to be connected, to contribute. And in that connection, there's a source of protection for your marriage, for your home, for parenting, for people to speak into your life in your community group, where you live authentically. It's one of the primary ways that we care for one another. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us because the scriptures say, despite the fact that on the cross, Satan was dealt a fatal blow through Jesus. He also is a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he is looking to devour and take out your faith and take out anything like Christ inside of your life. First Peter chapter five says, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour, that he is looking to do anything and everything that he can to get you apathetic in your faith, to get you too self-absorbed or too busy to get plugged into a church, to destroy your marriage, to get you addicted to pornography, to get you to say, I can't bring this into the light because if I did, what are people gonna think about me? He wants you to continue to hide. He wants to destroy anything good in your life. And one of the gifts that God has given us and ways that we experience protection is through being connected to the body of Christ. That despite being dealt a fatal blow, Satan, that roaring lion is still seeking to destroy anything good in your life and in my life, which is why we hit on, I mean, just, we need each other. A friend of mine is a pastor in Austin, and there was a member of his congregation that went on a safari to go hunt a lion. And, you know, just kind of a random experience, but he got to go do it, and they were out with a guide and walking through, tracking and looking for a lion. And as they're walking along the way, they find one off in the distance, and he takes a shot. Now he hit the lion, but it wasn't a fatal blow, or it wasn't a blow that knocked him off the feet and immediately killed him, so the lion just took off running. The guide and this man continued to track him because he's bleeding. So of course, we're gonna eventually find the lion, and as they're walking through and they're following the trail of blood, 
at one point, the guy just grabs him and says, hand me the gun. The lion was behind them. And they thought that they were hunting and tracking him down when in reality, they were being hunted. And he wasn't going to risk anything on some, you know, boy from Austin missing the second time. And so he took the gun and he killed the lion. In the same way, scriptures say, Satan's been dealt a fatal blow, but he is still looking to destroy anything of faith in your life. He, if he can't get you addicted to something, he'll just get you apathetic towards Christ and towards your faith. He'll get you to think of all the different excuses of why you know, you're too busy or you've got too much and why you shouldn't prioritize serving and contributing, connecting to a local body, seeking to devour. And one of the forces of protection that we have is a connection with the body of Christ underneath elders who love Jesus and are there to serve and care. All right, fourth and final upgrade. And pray for us. We are sure we have a clear conscience. Remember, this is a letter, so he's going, oh, and here's a prayer request. And we desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you. Now may the God of peace. I love that. Peace, that thing that no amount of money, pleasure, success, square footage, 401k, followers on TikTok or Instagram or whatever your thing is, can provide. But God can. May the God of peace who through the blood of his eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will and may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever, amen. He just said, the great shepherd of the sheep. The fourth upgrade we see is the better shepherd. That we've been given a better system of relating to God, better sacrifices through how we live, better submission and protection that comes with it, and then a better shepherd. Now, you probably, like me, don't spend a lot of time around sheep and don't have that you know, in your backyard as your animal. But the audience he's writing to would have been incredibly familiar with sheep. There were all types of shepherds and people that had sheep around them at the time. Now, I don't know a ton about sheep, but I do know they're one of the uh, more unique animals in that they require the care of a shepherd in order to live. In fact, if you take a group of sheep and you take them to a field and you leave them in that field, they will eat all of the grass in that field. They will never migrate to another field. In fact, they'll stay there even when the grass is gone. They'll eventually eat their own excrement until they fall over and die. They require a shepherd to lead them to life. And the author of Hebrews just said, man, you have a great Shepherd, There is one who is in your life who wants to lead you to life, and that shepherd is Jesus, who has promised never to leave you nor forsake you, and he is there to care and lead you to life. And then he brings up, I think, the most encouraging, one of the more powerful verses, certainly in Hebrews, maybe in the New Testament. He said, May he equip you, your father in heaven, the God of peace, and may that God of peace work in us 
according to what, work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. He just said, hey, God is at work in your life. You becoming more and more like Jesus and that process, that journey that you're on where he's growing you and it's maybe two steps forward and one step back and that process is not a process that he is frustrated with, that he is just hey, I kind of tolerate you on this process, but I really love you in some future version of you someday. That's the real love that God has for you. You know, he just said, even in the process that you are in, it is pleasing to him. He's at work. And even in the journey, and if you're in the room and you feel like, man, I blew it this week, you need to hear he's a God who even on the process of you growing and you moving and becoming more like Jesus and Whatever you feel about where you should be, here's what God feels. He is pleased with the journey and the process along the way. A friend of mine was saying, sharing about how his son was learning how to drive a year or two ago. And he initially thought, hey, you know, you should go to driver's ed. You don't want to learn to drive from me. And they should probably teach you better there. And that wasn't an option at the time. And so he basically had to teach his son how to drive. And he discovered something along the way. His son, because he had to get a certain number of hours, was constantly wanting to be with his dad. That his dad initially thought, man, I don't don't really want to teach you. But I discovered, man, I loved teaching him because he had to get a certain number of driving hours. So anytime I wanted to do something or anytime I needed to do errands, hey, I got to go to the grocery store. He's like, hey, can I come? Can I drive? Or anytime I needed to go anywhere, he's like, hey, dad, can I come? It ended up just being a lot of time, windshield time together. And I wasn't in some hurry to get out of that windshield time and man, just figure out how to drive so this can be over. I love the journey together. And the author of Hebrews, and maybe just one of you in the room that needs to hear this, just said that God loves the journey and the process. You are not a disappointment to God. Maybe you blew it this week. Maybe you've blown it the last six weeks. And it's part of you thinks that God is, yeah, he, he loves me because he loves everybody, but he doesn't like me. God just, if you were honest, you'd say, man, I think God kind of just tolerates me. He probably is disappointed. You are not a disappointment to God. Offer of Hebrews just said that if you grew up in a home where maybe you were taught conditional love, or if you did good, your dad was there to celebrate, and if you did bad, your parents were discouraged and disappointed, and can't believe that. He just said, the God of peace is not like your father on earth. Your heavenly father is pleased with the journey and the process of you. And he's the one at work. And even that process of being made more like Jesus is one that pleases him, according to the verse. If you're in the room and you've never had a moment where you trusted in Jesus and you accepted him as your savior, your Lord, the good news is you are eligible for an upgrade. And that doesn't happen through trying harder, doing more, or anything that you do. It happens by accepting Jesus as your Lord and your savior that he paid on that cross dying for your sin in your place. He rose again, rose from the grave as proof that the payment was more than enough. The check cleared. And all you have to do is simply accept it and choose to trust not in you or your own actions, but in Jesus and what he did on the cross. 
and you'll be welcomed into the family of God. Let me read the last verses. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my exhortation, for in fact, I've written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. And those from Italy send their greetings. Grace be with you all. Walk in the upgrade. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.